0: Before we get stuck into the next episode of the Evolve Pod, I'd like to take this opportunity to remember Alex Flynn. Tragically, over the weekend, we found out of the loss of Alex. He died descending Mirror Peak in the Himalaya as part of his preparation to be the first person with Parkinson's to stand on top of the world on Mount Everest. Alex was a friend of mine, a guest on the Evolve Pod, and one of the most driven, humble and inspirational people I've ever had the pleasure of speaking to. It's such a shame that he's gone but we can continue the fight against Parkinson's. If you visit alexflynn.co.uk and make a donation to the appropriate charities we can carry on the good work that Alex has started. Alex thank you for everything you've shown me over the last few years. May you rest in peace. Thank you mate. The Evolve Pod is brought to you by TricefimCoaching.com. Welcome, everybody, back to the Evolve Pod. It's great to be here again to bring you some really good content. And um, this week, I've got a guy who I've been introduced by, a regular listener. I'm really interested to bring you guys this story because it's a story of mountains. It's a story of outdoors. It's a story of a certain element of darkness. There's lots of really good themes in here that we can get stuck into today. And I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to having a conversation conversation with my guest. So my guest is um, he currently holds a Summer, Winter and International Mountain Leader Award, all of which are quite hard to come by and, and take a, a, a certain amount of dedication uh, to, to achieve these awards. He's qualified as a rock climbing instructor, climbing wall development instructor and foundation coach and also gained course director status for the Mountain Leader Award. Among all those other things, there's been a real journey for Mark to get there. And we're really going to kind of dissect this journey and, and find out the nitty gritty of essentially what life is about and what's made Mark who he is. And Mark, welcome to the Evolved pod. Thank you very much for coming on. I know you appreciate your very busy moving house at the moment. So cheers for, <laughs> yeah. cheers for giving up the time yeah. to come and chat to me on the pod.
1: Thank you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me. It's give me an opportunity for a little break from <laughs> running, up, running up and down the stairs with boxes.
0: Nice. Well, it keeps you fit, right? It gets the quad yeah. moving. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mainly full of mountaineering books and instruction books.
0: Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, 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 less kit, more books. Yeah. Um, but no, thank you very much for coming on. I know from speaking to you a little bit in the, in the last week or so, I know that you're busy also working with kids, working with young people, you know, and yeah. creating opportunities for those people. And I'm sure we'll come back come back to that theme through the podcast. But um, going back for you, you know, growing up, what was life like for you as a sort of a, a young boy? Where were you brought up and what did it look like
1: i was born in leeds and still still living in leeds probably enough i'm just moving to work till now but um yeah I, w- when i looked at the sort of you know the, the uh the pre-questions the idea of questions it sort of took me back to them days and you're thinking well it's it's just a different sort totally of different time so 19, oh, sort of 70s, 80s growing up then and me actually going out you uh, going out and enjoying the outdoors well that's what we did we played out you know we did go out and uh, like in the summer holidays and things like that from school um i'd be out of the house at eight o'clock in the morning and then mum would might give me give me a few quid or something and um sort of merely early teens should it be uh make sure you're home by the time the street lights come on so i don't know if you're old old enough to uh, sort of relate to that but that's what our timings were and um yeah and what i used to do what i'd uh get a bit of food with me and I'd i'd we used to do uh, things called day rovers and stuff on buses and I'd jump on a bus and go as far as I could on that day uh, and I'd be up on Ilkley and sort of the lower end of the Dales and up on the Huddersfield malls and places like that uh, and then as long as I got home by it you know and when I get home my mum would go you know where, where have you been oh no just just knocking about just around streets but you could do that in them days yeah you know. absolutely um, and I think parents I think parents if you know if um, to be fair you school Doing, doing stuff in the woods and things, which, you know, parents now, if you, if you if you said that, would probably uh, pass out that the kids have been doing that. <laughs> yeah. You know, we,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Different,
1: different times, different world.
0: Absolutely. So you kind of, from a young age, you had that affinity with the outdoors. Yes. You used to just go and make the most of it, partly because that was what was the done thing, but also you enjoyed it by the sounds of it.
1: Yeah, well, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have all these electronics and stuff and, uh, mm. you know, the TV wasn't great. Yeah, so I don't watch TV now. Very, very much of it. Um, so yeah, it's it was one of them things. It be you know at school you'd be playing three or four different sports, and then you'd go out with it with your, your with your mates on an evening, and you'd be playing football or whatever. Or going out on pushbacks. It was all around sort of physical physicality and being outside.
0: Do you think that's where it all began for you? You know, leading to where you are today. The kind of just the physical side of stuff is that what is that what kind of switches you on?
1: Um, yeah i mean i've been made sort of almost enemy at times about about leaving that side because when when i've looked back obviously with age now uh you look back on your experience and you think well the good times have been when i've been out doing stuff you know when i've been outside you know feeling the elements seeing the seeing the colors uh things like that even if it's freezing cold it's you know it, that's that's what does it for me rather than being sat in a room somewhere a hundred percent yeah I, yeah, I, it's one of the things where I worked. Uh, I did work in a factory for a, a well, uh, a production a printing factory for a while, and I just, I just hated it. I, I just hate being in confining four walls.
0: Yeah, it strikes me as similar to myself. You know, you've, sometimes in that sort of environment, you can feel quite claustrophobic. Yes, or, or trapped. Yeah. yeah, and I, I really like the way you put it just now about the, you know, the kind of the the, the feeling of feeling the elements and seeing the colours. And almost yeah. like you know the outdoors being quite mindful
1: for you. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's I, I relate quite a bit. I don't do it a lot, but you know these these big careers of wild swimming. Yeah. You know, people get into that freezing cold water and they swim and they get out, and it's painful at the time to come back. You know, until you, yeah, yeah, until your body gets switches to it. I mean, I've not done any really cold stuff, so, um, uh, but then when you get out, the the feeling that you you get going through your body afterwards, and that that goes to your mind. You know, the feeling that it benefits your mind.
0: Yeah, there's mm-hmm. lots of research on that. You know that all the endorphins that could, yeah. you know, all, even down to your immune system gets boosted when you when you do things like that in yeah. the cold water and and you know just getting outside and taking in everything that's around you. Yeah, we could probably talk about that for for
1: we hours. All, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it was uh, one thing was the you know the obviously the lockdown. You know, yeah. when we had that, the first three weeks, I'd fully enough flat. Like, not not this Christmas, Christmas before, I, uh, I was involved in a car accident and broke my back in two places. Not my fault. Yeah. So I had to, so basically, I had two uh, fractured vertebrae and couldn't, couldn't work for three months, uh, which I spent mainly inside, trying to keep fit and stuff. As this, as they said, um, and then just as I was allowed to go back and work and, and work and stuff, uh, still in pain, we got locked down, and it was just I just I couldn't cope. And that drove, basically. I you know I had some bad I had some bad times through that, and then I just I got my mountain bike out that had been in the downstairs toilet for. I don't know how many months, years, and I'd go out at midnight, go out cycling or up the canal and stuff like that. And that, that just, that just gave me that boost and give me that, you know, kick up the backside, get a grip of yourself
0: yeah well it's going back into that you know that concept of feeling trapped isn't it of yeah feeling claustrophobic i mean i don't i don't know exactly where you live for me during lockdown i live on the edge of the countryside anyway so Did it's I? quite quite easy just to nip off one of the lucky ones aren't you? yeah we got to just nip yeah. off and, and and run around the woods or up on the on the ridgeway which was quite you know like freedom yeah. but i can imagine if you're stuck somewhere urban well yeah i'm
1: sort of in a inner city leeds um so you know, I had, I have massive sympathy at that time with people that were in high rises with the families and stuff like that and the kids. And yeah. you, you'd see stuff through Facebook and that. and people, people I know are new. Uh, that would be living in the lakes and Wales and that and they're like oh this is me today on my lockdown walk and you're like bastard. you bastard yeah. <laughs> literally it's like that's you know it's out a bit out of order is that it would be pressing yeah. other people without getting right into that anyway <laughs> yeah
0: so let's let's take it back towards um yeah, as you we were sort of growing up you know we've already talked about your your link and your kind of uh your passion for the outdoors from a young age did that continue through your sort of teenage teenage years into a sort of a young man
1: uh, teenage years, I'd be sort of playing football and stuff and going out. Yeah, still going up to the Dales and things like that. But then, um, as I started work, well, I did an apprenticeship. So, four years of building college in Leeds uh, and in the building industry as a heating engineer. And it sort of that's curtailed the adventures because uh, it wasn't a great time financially for the country at the time. Um, and it was working and having a house, paying mortgage, things like that. And I think, like most people, um, it's just the the restrictions of adult life got in the way uh, and then i did that when i started working at the printing company i had a bit more money then and uh, i got um bought myself a good decent mountain bike and we a few of us used to get out and I, I we did used to go all over there and that was you know once every two weeks we'd go out yorkshire dales uh peak district things like that and got really into that um uh, the other sports that we're doing at the time I, I i had played football no 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 uh no skill at all um <laughs> and stopped that and started tie boxing and I tie boxed for about nine years, um, which I loved. I really did love. got really into that. Um, and But it was the training element really, um, you know, training three times a week and the running that we're doing at the time for it and the general fitness. So, yeah.
0: I've done a bit yeah. of tie boxing on and off over the last probably 10, 15 years. Yeah, and the training cool. out of all the training I've done is the, is the training that keeps you most honest. Yeah yeah 100 you're going to get found out you're going to get
1: found out if you're not oh, yeah. 100%. training properly 100 yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and what I found I only had, I had two sort of low-level sort of uh fights and all, um of bouts and uh it doesn't matter how long you've trained how hard you've trained you get in there and someone's throwing punches at you you cannot breathe you know <laughs> <laughs> that fitness goes out the window you know, I can't breathe. <laughs> where, where, where have my lungs gone
0: yeah I mean, I never took it that far. I only I, I just used to do all the training. That was enough for nah. me. That was absolutely enough for me. I don't yeah, want I to be. You know. Yeah. People um, so I want to kind of bring it to a to the turn a big turning point in your in your life. You know, you started to talk about you know becoming a sort of grown up and that sort of curtailing potentially some outdoor ambition or some outdoor opportunity.
1: Yeah.
0: And then. I've I've sort of done some research on on your background. In, in 2000, there was this big event in your life that kind of, I guess, turned everything upside down on its head for quite a while afterwards. Yeah. Um, um, and I want to kind of spend a bit of time talking about this because I think it's something that many of the listeners will be able to relate to in some degree, yeah. and it, I think it's a real interesting point of your life because you've managed to turn yourself back to where you originally started out in the outdoors now and I think it's a really cool journey from the year 2000 onwards so I'm effectively just going to pass it over to you for however long and however deep you want to go with it just to talk about what happened in 2000 and and, you Know we can we can go on from there if, if yeah.
1: you're happy to do so, yeah. It's fine, yeah. Um, so what what happened is we actually went to I was going to watch a football game in, Ist- in Istanbul, uh, following Leeds United and we we're playing Galatasaray. Um, and we'd gone over, um, and we'd enjoyed the day around Istanbul. And then later on, um, the me and two friends we were, we were going back to the hotel, the game was the next day. Uh, Decided to go back to the hotel, so we went and got in a taxi in this in this square. Got in the taxi, and as we set off, could just see these bright lights and a big mob of people. And the taxi stopped off, and uh, and I got the taxi at a stop, and I opened the door to get out. And uh, I don't, I I can't explain it now. Uh, Still, even when I try and think about it, when I try and what compelled me to get out, I don't know because it was just carnage yeah uh but it was like no one of the guys said just come on we'll just go and uh i said no it's too bad and started running back um and i can see you know could see someone laid out in the street um and so i'm running back and as i'm running back i'm running down the, i'm running towards where this incident is happening and i'm running at the side of a group I mean, there was no sort of football colours or anything like. But we are obviously uh, locals, Turkish people, Turkish guys. Um, and as as I ran, you know, um, someone tried to put uh, you know, you know the kebab skewers, but the big, the big, um, the big square steel ones. Yeah. Um, and I remember looking at that. Someone tried to put basically put them to my side. And I remember looking at that and thinking, that's not one of them that he was, you know, he was back at home uh, and I did that. <laughs> that one we thought, I'm like, bloody hell. Uh, that, one, that one we thought. And then I looked inside, him, and there's all the guy and he's got a big, big iron bar and he might he, he might reappear actually. <laughs> and a uh, big iron bar and he goes to hit me. And I've just seen this, the sweetest left uppercut go straight across my face and took him out. And it was actually myself, but I didn't know. You know, I never, I, don't, I didn't intentionally throw it. I didn't think about it. Um, and then as I'm getting too close to where I can see this guy laid out, uh, there's another guy that's got a, a chair above his head about to bring it down on someone and I tripped him up and basically, well, tripped him up and sort of might have collided with the back of his head. Um, and then, and I remember thinking at that, it's like, I can't hit him from behind. Do you know what I mean? But this guy's about to hit somebody else. So I, 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 I did again, yeah, took him out. Anyway, I got to, I got to what turned out to be uh, a guy from our trip. Um, and he's laid on the floor and he's covered in blood it turned out to' been stabbed about nine times um and I started doing I got to him, started trying to uh do first aid um yeah, I'm trying to do first aid, and you know I'm, I'm telling him to stay with us and uh and then the next thing I'll sort of move forward to listen to see if I can hear any breaths, and when I look at the economy, I can see there's a guy stood above me with a steel bar bringing it down uh, like a scaffolding pole. And I I sort of moved the, cr- and I moved the cross to uh, uh, Chris and it hit me, it me back. Uh, and then he, he left. But I remember this, I, m- I remember thinking it hit me like a car running into me. Um, and then I continued trying to give the first aid. Uh, and then it went a bit weird because, uh, a group of about, there's two sorts of police in Turkey. Um, there's like the local police and the sort of. The real police and the local police turned up, and about five of them, and they, they stood around and hit me with truncheons while I was giving first, uh, giving trying to give first aid. So I ended up with you know cuts to myself, one pump back in me head, and things. Um, and then uh, another police car turned up, and we lifted Chris into the police car, took him down. I was still trying to do first aid, and the policeman in the car was going, "No, no, it's you know, he's gone." Um, as in, I could tell what he was signalling, but I didn't, I didn't Kelly I on trying. Uh, and then when we got to the hospital, they put him on a trolley, wheeled him off and then they just come back and said, he's dead. Uh, they passed away. Um obviously, I mean, at that time, it just, was just chaos. You didn't know what was going on. There were people coming in all over that had, uh, that had been beaten and stuff. And lots of stabbings and things. I mean, I didn't sustain any injuries as in stab wise or anything like that, but I had um, I had a bit cut on the back of my head from a truncheon and uh pain in my back from this steel bar, but it was, just, it was, it, that was all secondary compared, you know, with what i just seen, what I'd witnessed. I mean, that's, I'll be honest, that is, that's what I can tell you. Because when I did my counselling, just uh, I did six months counselling, which we can talk about if you want, I was asked not to relay everything that I saw.
0: Yeah, definitely. You can talk about the mental health aspect later I, yeah I really would like to talk about that in a, in a little while I mean the first things that come to my mind is that you know first of all how old were you at this point I was 30 30, yeah, 30. okay and had you ever been in any scenario anything like no that
1: nothing like that No, I've seen people break a leg on the football pitch if that yeah you know and this thing just happened and it was like when I think I even re- recalling it then you know it's like it's a different person. I'm I'm a, I'm above it watching it rather than being that person. It's like, how did I get away? How did I get through that? How did yeah. I escape in my own life? There was at least, you know, there were at least i probably I won't say full attempts, but someone trying to put kebabsky off of me. Uh, and somebody trying to hit you, take you basically take the back of my head off while I'm giving first aid. Um, and I thought about that afterwards, and it took me a long time to come to terms with one that the guy had died. Um, and I, I felt useless, helpless that I couldn't save him. Now my GP at the time, she looked into it and she says, if he'd, if he'd have sustained them injuries at the side of a trolley in, in, a, in the, in a operating theatre, he still died. There's nothing that he could have done. And that sort of threw, because my mental state at the time after this, it threw another spanner in the works. Well, well, why did I bother? Because I had two daughters at home. So why did I do that? I could have lost my own life. Uh, and as it goes, because of the effects of the mental health, PTSD, and then depression, uh, I ended up losing my house, losing my job, and everything. So it was uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't a great outcome.
0: Oh, I can imagine. You know, it's, it's you know, I'm trying to put myself in in your shoes, having witnessed something like that. I, you know, I'm I'm lucky. I've never been through anything like that. Yeah, but I imagine there's lots of questions and lots of you know, just what. What is what? What what was that all about? What you know? Yeah. So I mean, what, um, what, what was the point? You know. What's... Yeah. What was the I mean, what was the what was the kind of the weeks and months directly after that like for you? Was it a case so, of trying to get back to normal as quickly as possible? Was it a case of taking a time out?
1: How did you? Well, I had a, I, we came back. Went, I mean, the game was the next day, and then we came back, and um, there was a lot of media attention. Um, of this a lot of it was negative because it was around a football game. Then everybody were there that was labelled a football loger, Uh, which there, were, there hadn't been any, there were no incidents up to, up to that. I mean, Galatasaray got a reputation, and Leeds United got a reputation, but this is 2000, we're not talking 1980s. Um, and obviously you were then labelled a football loger, Um, and it's you know, people would say stuff to me, and, and you're like... I, you know, I'm trying to save someone's life and, and on my heart, if that had been, um, I mean, I don't know if the Leeds fans might like this, but if that had been a Turkish person, I don't care. They're still trying to save a life. I'd like to think I would, because I couldn't really recognise who it was at the time. So it's one of them uh, and you're, until you're in these situations and then something just took over with myself. You know, it was like I don't know. I don't know where I've got that from. Or I'd like to think that my parents in, in, instilled. Um, Good, good morals in me so maybe it's from that but obviously taking it to the extreme
0: yeah I mean you said about the the, you know over the time over the you know process of losing job house yeah. etc because because of this event because of this this thing that you you went through yeah I mean how did how did that kind of how, so I I'd, I'd like to know a little bit more about ptsd yeah and and depression not just in general terms but in how it actually affected you yeah and what your kind of relationship with those two
1: yeah what, so i mean one of the say, word labels we, yeah yeah i mean we would come back and it, it will i tried to go back to work the week after and somebody said something at work and it just something clicked and i was i, I was drinking really heavily uh every day drinking every day i tried to go back to work and somebody said something really offensive about the incident about the guy that died and i i cracked and i, le- I you, basically left you knew the guy right i knew yeah they were on our yeah. trip yeah. um and they were, were basically four brothers and i knew them all um so i came back and then obviously this, this, things have been said and that just that just lit the fuse paper and i left the place where i work working. i didn't get any support from them um at all. I mean, thing is at that, that time, people would sit rather look and say, and these, I mean, friends at the time would rather say, I was just getting drunk. It what there's no there was no concept of PTSD. We were starting to get that, we were starting to get that because of the what was going on in Iraq, you know, Kuwait, Iraq, and then onto Afghanistan, that it was starting to be more known more and understood. Um and I mean, one of the big things about PTSD is the escapism, escapism to avoid um, these flashbacks and things like that. And basically, I was drinking, I mean, every day. Uh, And sometimes I was just scared to go to sleep sometimes because the flashbacks were ridiculous Um, Thing things would set me off. Uh, you'd be watching the tv and it'd come on the tv and you know and of course there's an investigation and then i lived just i lived about half a mile from ellen road where leeds united play so every other week there were all leeds fans knocking about and i did i did go to i tried going to a couple of football games afterwards i just couldn't do it i couldn't cope with people being met behind me um i had to stand with my back to walls and things like that and then it's like what you're doing you know people looking at you and talking about you and but yeah i mean without jumping ahead so much um what, the, what i've sort of realized since then or what I've, what I've had to take on board is um that was a condition i was suffering uh, i was experiencing these were people that criticize and make fun and um and other things and insult you and things like that they've no uh understanding of what it's like yeah and the next person that's uh, got PTSD, they'll have their story, and I've got my story. But I, it's not my fault that they've—I mean, it's not my fault I had PTSD, uh, and it's not their fault they don't understand it. Do you know what I mean? So the easy—I think the easiest way, and especially with British, I think, uh of it's just British. It's just, 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 just get on with it. you know what I mean? Sort yourself out. And that was the children things because people don't understand stuff. Then I can—I cannot now blame them. I used to get it used to really upset me. And I couldn't—I couldn't prove my point to anyone. I couldn't tell anybody exactly i remember thinking once we in a, uh, a crowded room and i've never been as lonely in my life because i was trying to tell people a story they wouldn't understand
0: it goes back to that theme of being trapped again I yeah. think. you know and you know you can be emotionally trapped because people don't get it and you might not have felt like you had the right outlet to actually verbalize it or even even realized there was the opportunity to verbalize it yeah, i don't yeah. I don't know, but again, I think that themes popped up again there with you know in terms of the after effect of going through that that experience definitely comes across like you know emotionally trapped in in yourself and like and the thing I think that strikes me is that all those things you're talking about you know you couldn't couldn't have people standing behind you standing with you know you're back to the wall all the time yeah. and let's not forget it sounds like you were doing going through all of that completely on your own um which makes those, which makes it all, kind of it just increases the volume in your in your mind, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, like I had, what's I, happening?
1: Yeah, I did have I went I did have six months of counselling. Um, basically, yeah. I wasn't sleeping and stuff like that. I went to Team a GP and she got me straight into counselling, which was great. Um, but it was six months with a counsellor, and it started off like uh, once a week, so and it started, it started off like a ten minute, fifteen minute session where I'd recall stuff, and it ended up after the six months. Um, an hour and a half, with it, and we had to sit back to back because I'd be crying my eyes out, so I could speak honestly. Mm.
0: Um, can I but, ask you? Can yeah. I ask you as a as a bloke, when someone suggested going to see a counsellor, what? How, how? What? What was your th- kind of thoughts around that? The,
1: well, basically, when I, when I, when we uh, when the incident happened, there was a guy which I didn't know at the time, which a guy that had come back with me to help me. Yeah, that jumped out of the taxi with me, and he was he was stood over watching me, right? And he obviously, when I found that he'd done he, he'd been doing that, um and it was like, well, I was actually acting. I was in the moment, not acting, but I was actually doing something. You know, I was taking actions. He was stood there watching, and he was he was terrified for his life, and he broke down one day and said he said um, he said uh Charlie something that's my nickname by the way Charlie. I don't know if I mentioned that um from Charlie Nicholas the footballer I couldn't, I couldn't play football but my hair was long
0: um,
1: so and he turned around he broke down and he says Charlie I'm so sorry I left you and I went what do you mean I says well I was stood with you I thought i were gonna die and he broke down proper broke down bit in tears but because he'd left me and I said listen I'm I'm I'm, I'm got to go see someone if you are if you want to go see someone he went yeah we'll go and so he went to see someone because he lived in York. I went to see someone. And I did to me six months counselling. But I mean, we didn't even even when we were doing the counselling, never spoke about it to people because it wasn't accepted in this lads' world, you know, this blokes' world. Even you know, it's just it's it not. I've got the word's not fashionable, but it's uh, that's not the right word. But it's it is absolutely changing now, where people can admit to having mental health problems in mean, mine were extreme. The, the counsellor um went at the end of it. Um I said to her, listen, I have to thank you. Um because I hate I had to write a, a report every day what I'm, I'm trying to recall more and more stuff. And that started off at like a paragraph and it went to like two or three pages, A4. And now I can't fill forms in, I hate it. But um at the end of it I said, listen, uh, thank you for all you've done for me. And she turned around she went, when you walked in here, we thought you we give you four weeks to live she says because you got scored 30 out of 34 post-traumatic stress and 29 out of 34 depression she says you've done brilliantly she says where, where you've got to now and my reaction was, well i've got two daughters what else could i do yeah well
0: um, I mean,
1: pleasure. even pleasure. now it, it sort of it's me now so it's like if i've had been kids because the innocence the, the innocence of children um, and I think this is why you know I've, I've just finished a two-day mental health course, and they talk about people having support puppies and things like that, support dogs. And the you know they don't lie to you; they, they tell you they tell you straight. Um, and you can laugh with you can have a laugh. I mean, my daughter's carried me through that without a doubt.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of the you know the finding out the reasons why, and I think we've just kind of hit the nail on the head there of yeah. you know what helps you get through that. It's just it's, I think it's always refreshing. Refreshing is not the right word it's always good to hear a kind of a a, a bloke talking about counseling talking about yeah. the benefits of it and and i think that's a message that we can just we can, we can never stop saying because so i think the more and more blokes do need to you know take the opportunity yeah. when, when it's yeah. needed i mean there's all, there's a lot of support groups
1: and things like that in um, and and a lot another thing is about guys talking to guys but sometimes you might need professional help yeah that's the end of it you know i could Definitely. i could have, i could have sat and spoke sort all blue in the face with people that are um or not spoke because it took a professional to get them bits out of me you know to unlock the bits um i remember because it was Alison who was my counseling we were sat talking and this is one thing i always remember which this was like maybe five months into the counseling and i'm describing what's happening she says right what's happening now and and i'm saying I says right i can see a guy the guy that I mentioned he's got a chair above his head he's going to hit someone and she went what's he what's he wearing and i went yellow shirt bleached jeans and I, I just broke down and cried there and it was just like the you know she'd explained what she was trying to do is like pick these bits out of my mind out of my memory so that i could so that i could file them away as in that is sorted now that's not there playing you know playing on my head unconsciously subconsciously that is there and it's now filed as in the in the outbox you know, instead of it being stuck in the inbox constantly, it's now in the outbox, or uh, or it's being filed away. And when when I said that, I just I just bawled. I mean, I cried, and cried. Yeah, it's
0: amazing what yeah. what, uh, what what that what that process can do
1: for you. Yeah, completely. I mean, there's uh, somebody recommended something. We were talking about yesterday about rapid eye movement and things like that. This, mm. uh, I can't remember, is it now? EDT or something like
0: that? Or... What? So you mentioned before about self-medicating alcohol yeah. going out uh, you know drinking heavily every day so you know costing you your job and your house and stuff at what point yeah. did you realize you had to make a change was were you still drinking through the counseling
1: or i was drinking yeah i turned, to, turned up to counseling drunk um so i turned up at 11 o'clock one time and I went, i'm drunk and she went well it's not my point of doing it but if you can if you want because i mean when i walked into the, the initial meeting the, the doctor said to me um, I mean, it's funny now looking back, but it wasn't funny to time. Oh, it's, there's a comic side to it. And he says, How much do you drink? I remember saying, Oh, about 10 pints. And he went, Oh, that's not too bad. And I know it. But more on a Friday and a Saturday. And it was like, What is that? 10 pints a day? And I went, Oh, yeah. And I, my, my drink's Guinness. So, you know, it won't help in my waistline. <laughs> um, no, no offense to Guinness uh yeah. <laughs> but yeah so and, and that just that just continued and and the, the thing is you know if, if you're having a bad time the the lad thing the, or the man thing to do is come on we'll go for a pint you yeah know, and it's just i mean i sit here and talk to you about this uh, about it now and i still know i know that when i'm if i'm going if i'm having a, a little dark spell often it, it would be um if i'm not going doing the mountain stuff or if i'm not outside doing if i have no plans it's that oh, oh, i'm having a beer yeah you know just that escapism
0: escapism again. yeah definitely I can I can relate to that 100% personally as well
1: yeah
0: you met so you 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 started doing the counseling and started to get some you know for want of a better word some results from that in terms of your sort of mentality and your outlook on stuff and then <laughs> I love the way you call it an ejection technician.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just, for those that don't know what that is, is a bouncer. Yeah. Um, well, how, did, how did that come about? Because the thing that I really find interesting about that is that, you know, I've had my fair share of interactions with bouncers, some good and some not so good over time. <laughs> but like, as, really? a bouncer, <laughs> as a bouncer, you see like, you must see the kind of the best and the worst of, of humanity, I suppose. On, yeah, on, um, over the course of time but given what you went through i'd be interested to know your take on whether that whether you thought that
1: was a risky position to put yourself in it probably wasn't the best when i look back at it but what happened, what happened was i was i was tie boxing um and now at the start after i come back and through my counseling when i wasn't if the times i wasn't drinking i'd be training Mm-hmm. And I got, my, got myself fit and went on a, uh, like, I got into writing to the outdoor survival courses and uh, expeditions and got, got asked to do an expedition to Belize. And I went and did this expedition. Um, but I trained with a professional boxer for four months and I got myself fit as a book, you know, that, that fitness and training, training three times a day basically, uh, and get me sleep right. And that, uh, And that when I came back and did the Thai boxing, bloody taught me, taught me college. So, oh, nice. I so then it was like, I'm not, I'm not training again now. Um, but I've been teaching, I've been teaching, not teaching, sorry. I've been, I've been uh, studying Thai boxing and I was doing a little bit of boxing. And the guys, one of the guys that were doing the boxing up at Bermantoffs um, he said to me one, uh, I've worked on the door once with the, with the boxer in town. And, and then he says, he rang me up and just went, um, are you busy at weekend? And I'm like, no, well, no I'll be off out. Now I don't know whether, cause he was a good mate uh, 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 I'd say much like that, too. Uh, but I don't know where. Because he's a clever guy as well. I don't know whether they were just getting me. Instead of me going in the bar and drinking, and him seeing the results of that, then can you come? Can you come and work up And I'm like, really? And he went, not because of you fighting. He says, I know you can defend yourself and stuff like that, but because of the way you talk to people and you're good with people and stuff like that. So come down and then what I'll do is I'd go down, I got my, got my bags, well, my council budget at the time sorted and I'd be going down at seven o'clock and I'd be working till half past two or three in the morning. So all them hours I went out rosy. And then I did have something on, on I had, I did, have, I had a little bit of cash coming in. Um, and it start. it went on to like five or six nights a week. Um, but then it started descending into taking a few beers home every night as well. So. I think it started out with good intentions it did help me definitely because you, it gave me something to do do you think that was another turning point um i think working the, yeah working the doors i mean i have had some good times i met a lot of good people and now i'm working funnily enough but some of the people that i'm working that i'm doing some sort of mental health and welding walks with are from the hospitality industry because they've had a bit of a bad time and they the hospitality industry is sort of renowned for poor mental health too, due to the drinking and late nights and stuff so yeah um, it did give me some sort of purpose and I? I would earn some money. Yeah. Um,
0: I like, so I've I've seen your little, your, say little, seen your promo video online, which is for those out there, I'll put it in the show notes. It's a really good, good watch. And there's a part in it where you talk about bouncing and reading a book. Can you yeah. tell tell us that little anecdote? Because it's quite well, integral to this story.
1: Yeah. Well, what it was, I, I, I mean, I think it was about 2007, 2008. I decided, yeah, I just woke up one morning and I just thought, this is bullshit. This is absolutely, I'm working five or six nights a week. I'm working in some really rough bars, you know, we're fighting and stuff. And it's like, what am I getting out of this? Because I'm spending all my money on an all day Sunday bender, you know. So I paid, sort paying my rent. I'm still behind with bills and things. Uh, and I just, I wanted so much to do. I'm getting fat. And I just started to go out walking. Started going out walking, um, doing a bit back in Yorkshire Dales, um, bit in Wales and things like that. And then I thought, right, I'm going to go on a course. Uh, and I, that's, so I'm fully enough. It was Rob, Rob Johnson who actually made the film. He was the first instructor that went out, went out with and did some courses and stuff, um, and then that sort of steamrolled, um, I did a first aid course. And then on the first aid course, and this is Ellen, Ellen Al that I now work with, uh, suggested I do a mountain leader now part, part of the mountain leader. She said, "What? Well, why do you do the mountain leader award? You've got enough sort of prerequisite days. And I'm like, what's the mountain leader award? What's mountain training? I didn't know any of this. Um, and she, when she told me i was like well i might do training because it's six days six days of concise training and it's to be fair from what, for what you're getting it's cheap and that's not me selling it for mountain training but, <laughs> but it's like you know the pathway there if you you know you're getting six days and then you go out and do uh sorry get six days of training you've got to have a certain experience anyway so you're not too far behind and then you go off and do a load more um sort of consolidation days and then you go and take your uh, assessment well, what I was doing, I was working like maybe four nights on the doors now, and then off four or five, and then sometimes because I was self I'd just take three or four days off, go and do my consolidation. But when I was at work during the week, when it was a bit quieter, I'd be stood reading. And I'd be stood reading books like Nature of Snowdonia, um, which uh, by Mark Green, which you know, it's it's like it's it, uh, flowers and geology flora fauna and it's all relevant to what i'd have to know and i, I was terrible in that area really bad uh, but i'd be still in the door big people coming up and like Wait, what's that you're reading? Like, just go in what's that well, come on what is it is it is it a book about fighting and stuff like that you like, uh, know <laughs> just, just go in because you know a bouncer. bouncers are always fighters you know what i mean this is yeah, the injection yeah, yeah. technicians we've got no other interests and yeah. uh it's like uh yeah. Oh, what is it, mate? Is it is it some is it some martial arts thing It's like, No, it's nature snowboarding. It, I'm going. Or are, you, are you getting it? Out? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was a big. That, I mean, the things like that. The, when we said you know, when you say it wasn't a turning point. There's been when I look back, there's that many turning points. Yeah. That you have know, sort of kept me on that path. With
0: the so that you you said that was sort of twenty two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. Oh, about two
1: thousand and seven, when I just decided. Yeah. I need to do. I need to. I need. I'm better than this. But uh, that, obviously, a seven year period by then
0: at that point were you were you still feeling the effects of ptsd and depression or was that kind of was um, that kind of almost put to bed by that point
1: i think i think i've always said like that i thought no I'm no because I'd, I'd, I'd say now um some of the there's still things i mean it's only in the last probably year that i can go into that i can go into a restaurant and i sit with the back to the door um, and that's mainly because my girlfriend, Kirsty goes in and takes the bloody first seat, you know, she'll, she'll sit down and not, and then I have to, and then I just sit down. Um, so that's sort of, but there's always thoughts. And when it, for some reason, I mean, I would, I'm doing this mental health first day course, two day course uh, this week, and they spoke about triggers and things, and even things like the day, you know, when it's, when it's coming around to April, when the, uh, when the anniversary is, I know that my mood's dropping not not by any trigger or anything like that and i don't consciously say all oh, right it's, you know it's going to be it's going to be a person uh, i need to feel sad it's like you i just feel a little bit more a little bit more conscious things a few more memories i mean from a lot of years i just went away um i just got out of the town because the first couple of years there were reporters knocking on my door and stuff like that uh, and then there's like the, the the big thing about the big a big group of football lads will go out for the anniversary to remember lads right the soul, but then it then it all goes to a pub and they're all and you're all drinking, and it's like I don't want to talk about that. And I don't really, and I'll avoid. You know, I, I, it's one of these things where you face your fears, but sometimes it's best to avoid them as well because you don't know what the effects yeah. are going to be. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm sort of trying to yeah think about at that stage where you're at and sort of processing all of that. Getting back into the outdoors, reading the books on the flora and fauna of Snowdonia, yeah, and, that, and relearning and kind of engaging with that side of you that was that has always been there, but felt you know it seems like yeah. it got it got numbed for quite a few years. As you started to get out into the outdoors and started to get those qualifications and stuff, did it kind of did you feel did you feel like your eyes were opening again? Did you yeah. feel like there was a sense of clarity? There was a sense of suddenly a sense of purpose
1: um i think again looking back with hindsight, it's one of them things where if you've got something to do something to get up for something you want to achieve and it stops you uh it stops you getting onto that um uh descending spiral do you know what i mean mm. um so i'm not you know if i've got something if i've got something to do which i'm flat out at the minute, but it's great it's great <laughs> because i don't get that opportunity to get into that cycle um i mean sometimes if i've been away on an expedition uh, not so much lately if i've been away for, on the mountains for a few days i still i do get that i do get a bit of a, a downward mood I'm, i miss it because i'm, I'm then like all oh, right what what am i doing now oh, okay and i've got to do for a few days which mm-hmm. then it's getting the motivation to do something that i want to do you know what i mean yeah um, so i avoid triggers i do avoid not I avoid things that want that what might depress me. Um, I mean, recently, um, no offense to yourself and no offense to other people, but I have speak, been speaking a lot about mental health. Uh and sometimes I just have to sit by myself for a while. And it might be, you know, uh, I mentioned Kirsty she's uh, she's proper, she's solid, she's just like, um, listen, if you want, if you have to sit by yourself, you have to sit by yourself. I'm not bothered. You know, I understand you've been through stuff and it's brilliant to have someone that I can talk to that's understanding that.
0: I think that's really important to have that um, in a relationship. You have that kind of understanding of of who you are as, as a person yeah, or, and I mean, what you need. And if someone can read into that and can and can actually make the right call for you yeah. to speak and I be mean, happy with that, then that's good, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's only recently, it's only in the past year that we've been together, but um, I've known it you know over twenty years. So since before the incident, and there's obviously in Leeds, there's a, a big knowledge of the incident. Uh, and then me working on doors for 19 years, I'd see I see people about and mm. you know, just like regular friends. So but it's good that someone's got that understanding and doesn't like, oh, pull you, pull yourself together. This, you know, I mean yeah, obviously she'd never say it, but this man the man up, you're like, oh, <laughs> you know. I just <laughs> I, I I yeah, I've got a big thing against that. I hate it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that the the phrase man up, it kind of um it's got a lot of negative connotations oh, wow. now a lot yeah. of a negative connotation. yeah i mean you can have a
1: joke about it sometimes sometimes my friends can have a joke about it because they can see that i'll, I'll bite for, for a second and then it's yeah, like i mean?
0: <laughs> I want to bring it bring it to the mountains now yeah um I, I, the people on the podcast know a lot about my relationship with mountains and that kind of environment what, what does the outdoors and the mountains mean for you and, and what does it represent
1: um well it does mean a total change of life changing life lifestyle career um probably health well definitely health Um, because i got so far into i started doing the courses um and did the i did the mountain leader and it was well, like when i did the a training i had no intention of doing the, the assessment and then i found myself because we've got to do these consolidation days i found myself going all the way through the winter doing the consolidation days like camping in, camping in, uh, Lake District and opening my tent and it's, you know, it's just ice, you know, and and getting all these days in and sort of, but I did, I did most of it, most of my consolidation for that I did by myself. Uh, And then I've done a few other courses and I always wanted to go to Norway. I did a couple of expeditions to Norway with Rob, uh, who who made the film Um, snowshoeing. And I met some brilliant people, met some great people, some great friends. Um, And it sort of progressed and progressed and then I, I, I would just, I started getting some work, freelance work as a mountain leader, some stuff like DAV stuff and things like that. And, um, and thinking to myself, well, why, why, when I were at school, were we never offered DAV? Cause my life could have been totally different anyway. Cause it's like, I took to this, like a, a duck to water really. Um, uh, and then I started the winter mountain. I've got, well, I've got enough winter days. I've been going to Scotland long enough. I've got enough winter days to do my winter training. Hang on. I've got enough days to do my international mountain leader training. So why don't I just do these and see what goes on? Because like I said before, if I've got something that I'm focusing on, then I'm all right. I get quite dedicated to it. Um and I did the the other qualifications I've done. Um and then it then I got asked by uh, Steve that I work for, um, that I work for now as a course director. Um he says, Do you want to come up to do you want to come up to Rum? Uh do I have the room." And I went, uh, yeah, can I do. It? And uh, went up just, and I, I didn't really say when And he went right. You, we got there, and there were like eight, eight, eight candidates that were on on their mountain leader assessment. And I'd already got my international, I'd got my winter, I'd got my climbing qualification stuff like that. And I was looking at, um, you know, looking at things on, um, uh, British coaching and things like that uh, to make me, make me a better instructor or what I thought was instructor. And then he uh, says, right, you take them for you're assessing them. And I'm like, what? Now. I could go assess. I, I was. I would basically got four people that I would assess them to the mountain leaders, and then uh, it went into. Um, following that, I got more into that and doing stuff. Mainly, the, you've got to do for the assessment. You've got to do five days um two night camping. So I get all the camping jobs. You know, when it's lashing it down, it's forty mile an hour crosswinds. <laughs> so taking people out doing night navigation, and um, yeah, and then doing the training as well. And when you when I was providing this training, it was like. I, in fact, I did a podcast, podcast a couple of months ago and the guy and that asked me, he says, what's one of your best moments in, in the mountains? And I'm thinking, right, well, I've been at Patagonia, I've been at Himalaya, I've done this, I've done that. And I'm, I just went, you know what it was? Uh, there was a young lady called Jess and she what, she did a mountain leader training with me. And when she texted me to say she passed, so first person that I trained for and, and then she passed, I, I never broke down, you know, it was just like, I, you know, providing that, providing people the opportunity or giving them the knowledge to go on and do something and follow a pathway that i've done which made such an, uh, a change to my life um yeah
0: i think it's um you know i have similar things that i can reflect back on from coaching people in in our in our business and i think it's quite easy sometimes and i think i've said this before on on a separate episode of the pod it's quite easy sometimes to to sort of, sort of write off all the things you've achieved as a person and you know it's just kind of like oh yeah I did that that's all right but when other people see that and the other people see what you've done what you've managed to achieve and what you can bring to them yeah. and then you get that text message or that thanks or that oh you know that, that was so good kind of working with you kind of thing yeah. it's really rewarding and yeah. I think that's why people like you people like me probably do what we do because ultimately when you're helping people when you're helping people become better versions of themselves then yeah it's a great so, thing to do so
1: if I was to ask you what's your, what was the best thing you've done in the outdoors do you think Oh, Same question, or the mountains.
0: Uh, definitely the Snowden Six Ways challenge yeah, yeah. that I did last last but, year. But
1: is, is that because is that because there was the challenge for yourself, or because of the amount of money you raised, which well done by the way. <laughs> Thanks.
0: Um, <laughs> there, there, there's you know people have asked me quite a lot about this there's so many reasons what, why. what I, were you thinking six times <laughs> <laughs> 12, 12 ways is doable um, but no there, there's so many yeah, so many things that come into this you know if i reflect back on on that on that sort of eight nine months or even well, actually it was more like five years of actually wanting to do it right but when it came about there was the charity element definitely there was the running uh, running in memory of of our mate who you know he killed himself in not very nice circumstances and trying to create something really positive out of that is it was amazing you've got the team of guys and girls around me that helped me get to the goal that I've set myself and they've given up their own time their own energy to come and help me and some of those guys were also on their own sort of their own little journeys to get me to my bigger journey so you put all of that in a pot you put the experience on a pot something I've always wanted to do and it you know, I don't really think, I mean, if I, if I top that ever, then whatever that is, is going to be absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that by far and away, I've never come off a mountain and felt that elation and that satisfaction and success and pride and, you know, all those things. And it, yeah, for me personally, running that, myself I was super chuffed yeah. but everything we else that goes <laughs> hell <That was laughs> a challenge hell of a challenge but everything else that went in with that as well it was just magic is the only word I can really put yeah. to it it was magic and you know I don't think we could ever recreate that again on on that. Yeah. And the mountains i think the mountains are a real true reflection of life you know you 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 know classically you've got your ups and your downs yeah and you're you're always striving to get to the top but when you get to the top you can't stay up there for that for that long
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: you've got to come down the other side and you can go back Mm. up and there's all these things that happen in between and the challenges the problem solving the fun the danger the success Mm. you know
1: yeah one sort of way that i used to say to people or sometimes i do um is and i hope i pinched off anyone else i thought i dreamt it um was <laughs> you know the path up the mountain is much like the path in life and, and I, often it's worth stopping to have a look not just at where you're going but where you've come from percent. So yeah. take that little breather to sort of decompress and then go again you know break it down i'd I say this on, on the training to the fair one when i'm training people about navigation stuff break it down into small sections it's not as daunting you know, yeah and that's been that was if I look back that would be my advice for anyone that's going through mental health issues and stuff
0: definitely well I mean, what's your so people that, that might want to have a little look into mountain leading what's what are the key attributes in your opinion for a for a good
1: mountain leader well to, first of all to be a to be a mountain leader it's people go um health health leather or navigation and it's not a navigation award it's a mountain leadership award. And Steve, how that work for you, something sums it up. And basically I think it's in the mountain training. It's like, you know, you meet, you meet your group, you take them to the top of the right mountain, the one that they want to go to, (laughs) you show them a good time. um, You teach them about things and then you bring them down to the place they wanted. And if you've got all the limbs intact, you know, then they've had a good day, you know, and that's, that sort of sums up, (laughs) it's sort of skimming over it, but that's the basis of it. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. You've got to be able to relate to your clients. You've got to, uh, our clients, or customers. Um, you know, and work. You work. You basically working for them, aren't you? And you, the the way that I sort of look at it now is, I get a, a massive satisfaction that someone, somebody, um, is going to somebody pays pays me. No, it's not about the money, but some not, partially, somebody pays me the money to take them out and for them to experience things that they wouldn't experience without me there. Yeah. You know, I remember doing a, a York's Three Peaks years ago with a group. In fact, it was the one I spoke to about before. So I've done it. I've done it three days. I've done it the Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and I was doing it on the Tuesday and we we're raising money for, um, the Jane Tomlinson appeal. So I was doing, the, um, not quite not quite running up snow them six times in twenty five hours but four times in four days doing 25 hours and on the last one it was, it was a big group of mates coming come came with me which kept me going no end because i at that time i felt like i was walking on steel brushes my feet were in, in pieces after doing the, doing it the three days previously. And one of the guys could not believe that he was walking through a field and sheep were in the same field and you're like oh dear and this guy's 30 years old and he could not believe that the sheep you know and this is this one thing that's I look back on and think about my time obviously i've, I've I'm, I'm older now well i'm old now but at that time we were we were connected with the outdoors and people are not and they've lost that now i think so but if i can if i can offer a pathway through that people are getting connected with the outdoors again um then that's great. that's brilliant um i do a i do a few things for uh, a company called black dog outdoors which is all about mental health yeah. Um, and they offer you know mental health uh, and people enrol on that and they, they get they go out with the leaders for the day for free, yeah. um, some of a paid. and it's just getting people out and experiencing that. Um, I think I mean personally, it's how would I say? It? I don't want to offend anyone that sex pills, pills from uh, medic and sex medication. You know, I'm sure medication's got a uh, uh, a big part to play. And just for some people, it didn't work for me, and the mountains and the outdoors did definitely um and it even you know it could be it, i wasn't going out on a night drinking 10 pints because i was getting up and going to climb a mountain somewhere
0: there's that the uh blue green therapy isn't it
1: yes yeah yeah definitely and like i say, even the feeling the wind and the snow on your face i've been blown off i've been blown off my, off my feet on mountains before yeah. um you know going out doing my winter ml stuff which is harsh yeah uh, and trying to get them days and you just you know it's you know you know the type type one type two and type three fun
0: Oh, I yeah. only know type one and type two. What's type three?
1: Well type, well, type one is this is great. And then tomorrow, when you've done it, you'll think it's great.
0: Yeah. Type
1: two, this is shit. But tomorrow, when you think about it, it would quite good. Type yeah. three, this is shit. And tomorrow, when you think about it, it's still shit. And it's still <laughs> shit a year <laughs> after. You know? It's just, it's, it was just crap. And whose idea was it? So
0: <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use that if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah, you're
1: welcome. It's all so free. <laughs>
0: Let's talk about um, your business, your mountain adventure. How did that come about?
1: Um, yeah, so your mountain adventure, basically, I mean, that's a company that I started, um, and it took you know it took me longer to think of the name. And then when I thought it's because it's not my it's not my mountain adventure. It's me providing somebody else uh, adventures. I mean, at the minute there's that, there's nothing on the uh, website for well there's last year's courses, but it's it's me providing some tuition. So simple courses. I think there's a lot there's a big market for uh people going on these big international expeditions and doing this and doing that and you know um uh skills courses and things and then sometimes the people at the, the the introductory so just even uh learning to read a map so you can find your way through the fields uh the field systems without trespassing and things like that uh, around towns and that's that that ran true you know with the uh, uh with lockdown when we couldn't go anywhere. Uh, and I feel uh, I felt slight, well I felt embarrassed at the time, but I hadn't discovered more of West Yorkshire because that's where I'm based and that's all I could do. And I was still going out and they were taking people out walking there, you know, mm. just getting them out into the, you know, into the outdoors. Um so if people can learn stuff like that, um, and it means that I don't have to go back working on the doors, that'd be great um so so I'm doing that uh, yeah I'm, I'm so I'm doing that, and then uh, I've got that work and i've got uh I think I've got ten ten or eleven mountain leader trainings and assessments next year there for other companies, so um as uh direction and sort of assessing people um but back to Yaman eventually i'm just I'm, I'm trying to get the courses up for Christmas basically yeah um, so yeah doing doing that, and it's just about like say providing people the skills so they can go out i I learned them skills years and years ago. Um, and then just had to refine them Um, but now to be able to teach them um, uh, teach them or coach them I don't I don't believe in teaching I believe in coaching
0: 100% yeah so I think yeah the the last thing I want to kind of um, touch on is you know is is your advice to people who may have been in a similar scenario to yourself you know you said you still can suffer from some potential triggers etc you try to avoid them as best as possible etc what's your yeah. go what's your go-to thing if, if if you do feel yourself kind of spiraling down a route you don't necessarily want to go is it bang your trainers on and get outside what's what's your go-to thing well i can't i can't
1: run because of my broken back or because i brought my back you know my knee's yeah. gone and i've had a few other injuries and stuff like that but it's definitely the outdoors um or i mean i, I could just if it wasn't it, i think it's sport or it's Recreational sport, something that you can get involved in. So this big thing about wild swimming, you know, I mean, people watch too, look at too much Facebook. It's like, you know, people, people having a go at people that are going out wild swimming. Well, if you, if you haven't tried it, don't knock it. But if you, you know, you try whatever you can find, whatever appeals to you, and if you enjoy it and it does it and it works for you, then it's a medicine for you, you know, because it do, it lifts your mind. Uh, You're like, more likely to be getting fit as well. I'm a big believer in uh, coincidental fitness. You know when i started all my mountain stuff i was like I had 16 stone and it were all mainly all belly of uh, all guinness belly uh so i were 100 well is it 16 stone, 106 kilos something mm. like that i remember but i remember weighing myself at like that and then when I, I went to spain climbing i was 84 kilos wow so and that's not through me religiously training like i used to do with the thai boxing that's with me going out and walking mm. and so uh, it's that fitness that comes through doing a sport but it's it's the you know healthy body healthy mind isn't
0: it yeah i absolutely. believe 100 percent. that's a good uh, it's a good way to to sort of wrap up the pod i think healthy body yeah. healthy mind uh mark i really appreciate you sharing your story with us because i know you know that the the, the the things that went on in istanbul pretty harrowing and i genuinely appreciate you you know being able to open up about that and sharing that because well, not only yeah, I mean, does it empower you I think it's going to empower a lot of people
1: yeah well I mean thank you for giving me the opportunity because I think that's I've done quite a few things lately and talking about mental health um and I'd just like to say that you know the reason was because well the reason I do it is because people are taking their own lives I mean that lads that I know friends are friends have taken their own lives and it's because and you know a lot of it I think is because people haven't been able to talk uh, and I felt a, a way of me hiding my, burying my problems and hiding them away through being out and drinking and stuff like that. And it's like, oh yeah, looks like, having a party, which I'm not, I want to have a party. We're having a horrendous time, but then hiding it. Now, if we don't hide it, you know, if we can talk about it, if I broke my leg, you'd see it, you know what I mean? And I'll tell you about it Well, I broke my mind or my mind was broken for me. And it's, you know, it's, uh, let's talk about it and hopefully yeah, hopefully, it'll do some good
0: yeah yeah definitely. I think it's um it's something we just need to keep plugging away at just keep talking about it and keep you know getting getting people to open up and like yeah. and, and again people like yourself sharing your story on on podcasts like this is, is only a good thing and and for that i'm I'm really really grateful
1: well like I said, thank you for providing me having you to talk.
0: No problem at all well, uh yeah. mark, thanks very much. look after yourself Sorry, and um, you let's keep in touch, maybe see yeah, you in the mountains one time.
1: And, yeah i've um, seen him on snowden six times in in one
0: day <laughs> maybe <laughs> once
1: <laughs> possibly
0: <laughs> all right buddy well look thanks for coming on and to the listeners if you if you like the evolve pod if you like the content please don't hesitate to share it leave us a review and let's get the audience engaged with what, with what we're trying to do look after yourselves and we'll be back soon with some great content cheers everyone